You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 20 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. What's up? It's episode 20. Is that what's up? Of these... Episode 20 of the fourth season. We've, I mean... We've been doing this for a while, man. Still... And, we have and been going Do you feel like time. we've made a difference? <laughs> uh, we've annoyed the hell out of our... Out of our spouses, if that's what you're <laughs> asking. We have... Um, we've, but, have we impacted countless lives... Probably not. But as the conscience of the nation, yeah. aren't we supposed to be stirring the masses to, uh, to take into matters action. into their hands, defend democracy, defend the rule of law? Well, that's the idea. Stand up for what's right? That's the idea. I don't think it's happened, really. Have we? Have, <laughs> has even one person taken to the streets as a result of what they've heard on this podcast? I don't think so. Hell, I don't think so. neither you nor I have taken to the streets. Well, I, you know, here's the thing. Yeah. Has there been, you know, in the early days of the Trump administration, the, the call would go out that there would be a protest yeah. and people would descend on Lafayette Park yeah. or would march down Broadway or something. It hasn't Where happened are all of these organizations that were organizing these things? I don't know. And the last Are they now the, wrapped up in electoral politics? So they figure, you know, the protest. I don't think that's what it is. I, think, I think it's the fatigue set in. And a sense of doom and gloom that there's nothing that's going to make a difference. I got to I got to I got to give you credit. I mean, you said this in January 2017. You said people are going to get tired out. And then when the real bad stuff happens, there's not that the stuff that was happening then wasn't bad, but it's getting worse. We're, we're sort of in a different place these days. It's getting worse. And instead of instead of galvanizing, we've sort of given this collective shrug that like, well, there's not much we can do about it. Right. But Even my, my, my colleague Max Boot has a piece in the, in the Washington Post. I think it's from Monday or Sunday. Yeah. Uh, wondering why people aren't out in the streets. We've been saying the same thing for months. I'm not saying that Max Boot takes ideas that you have already <laughs> generated, but I mean, come on, Max. We've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, it's like we've been talking about Popeye's. We've been talking about Popeyes for a long time too, and, and now Popeyes is doing Popeyes. really well. Sales are up almost thirty-five percent. Not, as but it, I don't think it has anything to do with us. No, but we were, you know, we love Popeyes, and we've been ahead of the curve on Popeyes, and we've been talking about getting people out in the streets and wondering why more people aren't going out in the streets for a long time, and we've we've talked about it. The fact is, as high as you and I think the stakes are. For the average person, they don't see the stakes right. being high enough to go out and protest. Well, is it because people say, hey, I'm doing well, I have a job, my 401k is, is going okay, I've got to take the kids to soccer practice? Like, what is it that, what is it about the breakdown of the rule of law That's that not gets people enough? to say, you know what, I got to go to the mall? It's the, you know what, people's lives just directly, aren't being directly impacted, right? Yeah. So what are we going to do? We're going to have groups of illegal uh, immigrants protesting? No, because they're not going right. to show up and congregate in one place where they're all going to get arrested and deported. <sighs> so 
we've had some, you know, some marches a while ago. Right. Every year there's the Women's March, which every year is less and less. There are the anti-gun violence anti-gun violence marches the, the women's march basically tore itself apart right. over politics, issues yeah, like rela- over politics right I mean, this is a i mean this is a kind of typical story of the left they they, they get themselves wrapped around yeah. the axle on ancillary issues and, and destroy them themselves look this is what you know i said this months ago we need a, a fuck this shit march fuck this shit it's just everything, not just one issue, not two issues, everything. We need to say enough is enough. We have to, we have to gain our... Yeah, but as back. you just pointed out, there's not enough people who are fed up. They're just not. They are. I mean, the, and if there you are think, people who are... Yeah, go ahead. No, if you think about, you know, when were there mass protests in this country? In the 60s, during Vietnam, right? Right. Because why? Because people's lives were literally at stake. So you had a generation of, of young people who were weighing their options and they said, I don't want to go and fight in Vietnam. And instead, I'm going to take the risk and protest out in the streets. Right. But only because they saw what the alternative was. So it was, which was getting, getting shot in Vietnam. In Vietnam exactly. Right. Or, or, right. Or, yeah. I, I feel like here people like. I don't know. Either they, they're not; their lives aren't directly affected by it. Right. Not, they not support. Enough. They support the president. Eh. They think it's exaggerated. Do you think that and people think it's exaggerated? I don't know. I, I don't. I can't get my my head around. And then, uh, and then you say the idea like, of people who say it's not as bad yeah, as people know. make it out. I don't know what they're looking at, but you know, you and I have talked about this before, and it's like, oh well, my four hundred one k is doing all right. But how many people actually own stocks? Actually have a 401k. Yeah. Right. And what is it? Like 1% of the population owns 50% of the stock of the stock market? Yeah. So that means that there is a humongous percentage of the population that has no investments in the stock market. So when, so, so when they're looking at their, ec- their economic well-being, yeah, I mean, right. they can't they're just not, say, like, oh, the stock market is up. Because right. what so do they do? I mean... So it's it's this kind of thing that the barriers to collective action are actually really high right. at this point. Oh, that's, um, such a, that's such a good way to put it. Yeah, but here. So then, <laughs> the implication for the Amen corner yeah. then is we've just been bloviating. I mean, that's really sad. <laughs> yeah, but we do it in a funny way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Very, we, very amusing. I mean, we're here to amuse ourselves more than anything. <laughs> more than anything. That's like right. I don't know who's listening to this. Is anybody even listening? To Lauren. This? Lauren listens to it. Only because you force her to. No, I don't force her. She's like, it's something for her to do while she's on her warm-up before her run. Oh. She listens to it. And Truth be told, my, Michelle doesn't even listen. <laughs> she's like, I'm, I, I we can't, to I have to be really nice to Lauren because I want to make sure that we have a nice, we have one listener. It's so funny because in the early days, if you remember, we used to play, yeah. we used to play the episodes for them. So that they were listening right. before we would release them to make sure that right. like they weren't we horrible. Were, exactly, exactly. And, now and Lauren continued to listen, and Michelle's like, "Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> you guys are going to talk about politics for a while. You're going to joke, you're gonna joke like, around. I get it. Somebody's going to say something inappropriate. I get it." Like, All right. No, I feel this. I feel a malaise. Really? And on the yeah. show or in the No, America? I mean well, I mean no, not the show. The show but I feel a no general malaise in the show. I mean what we no. have here, Stephen, you and I, there's no malaise here. 
And th- I mean, really, what this what this whole podcast is based on is our our own unique chemistry. And this this is still good. This yes, this, this right here. Yes, I mean, look at me, look at me. We're right keeping here, it real right here. This is still good. <laughs> so there's no malaise uh, there. That's still going strong. No. So we're still the conscience of the conscience. nation. But we're not inspiring anybody. But the nation is letting us down. That's right. That's the problem. It's the nation that's the problem. I feel like there's one big collective like midlife crisis going on in the country. You think it's a midlife? I think we might be at a. I think we might be beyond midlife, and we just are. Having, I don't know. We're having an existential crisis right now. Did you now. see what Steve Bannon was saying uh, that like? And and all these people are back in the in the president's orbit, but Steve oh, Bannon was saying that people better watch out because he's going to come after everybody. I mean, this is like this is someone, this is someone who is vindictive, vindictive and an authoritarian, and and, and that's just Bannon. <laughs> Do you think one day somebody's going to listen to these podcasts and there's going to be a? At our door and saying, we would like to talk to you about some of the views that you've expressed in public on your podcast. And the next thing you know, you and I are in the gulag somewhere. Well, I mean, I, 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 to be completely honest, I have had a number of friends warn me that um, if I have aspirations to, you know, serve in the U.S. government or, or something like that, that the podcast, that I, I should not... After a few episodes, I shouldn't do shouldn't do the podcast. Yeah, and I said I said you know I, one I appreciate it. Two, there are things that are just more important than that. Right. You know, there's principles involved. Two, um, it's a blast. Yeah, we're having and a good time. we're having a good time. And you know, look, I can't plan for something that may or may not happen. Right, so I got to do what so, I, I, I do what is important to me. And I think you know just just. The ability, whether anybody's listening to it or not, just but the idea to, that uh, uh, the, the articulate the very real concerns. I don't care, you know, wh- how you look at the world. I know that there's folks. We have listeners who are, you know, deeply committed to the the the, the reading of the Second Amendment as people as, as it has been. In, I think misinterpreted. But I think I don't know. I don't know how anybody can look at the current situation and the way in which the president has conducted himself, in particular since the 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 acquittal, which is only a week and, ago. Um, and 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 looked at this and said that this is a, this is appropriate at at just the level of kind of decency. I don't think it's a surprise that Colonel Vinman is no longer no. at the National Security Council. The big secret is that he was leaving at the end of February anyway. That's not the point. But he was escorted out of the right. White House he was like he, he was, was marched criminal. out of yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think I think, you know, Bill Clinton was acquitted and he apologized to the country. Um I don't know. I just think it's I, I think Dude, we're in this, this guy's new environment and a new and a, and a, and a, and it's it's quite worrying that we know that norms and are critical to the functioning of our institutions but and when people don't uphold being, those norms they're being blown through and the difference right. between Clinton and this guy this guy's mo is never to apologize 
He's mm. never going to apologize. He's never no. going to change. He's never going to admit that he did anything wrong. Well, right. That's the most. That's the thing. I think that the president believes firmly that he didn't do anything wrong. That he, it was a perfect I, it, phone call. It's more than that. He believes that he cannot do anything wrong. His well, whole life, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's never apologized to anybody for anything. Right. He settles lawsuits and out then, of court. He doesn't. Apo- he doesn't apologize. <laughs> That's right, right, with non-disclosure right. agreements Right, I mean, stuff come like on. There, there, is, there are from what no I understand norms among, anymore, though. We've from, destroyed the norms in this right, country. Right, right, right. I mean, and any White House, any White House has a bunker mentality because there is the kind of daily onslaught um, and the press increase and the peanut gallery and everybody questioning what's going on. I'm, I'm actually reading the, um, I think I mentioned this last week, I'm coming down to the end of it, the George H.W. Bush, Brent Scowcroft, co-written memoir. And there's diary entries from George H.W. Bush. And he's, he complains about, you know, the press and the peanut gallery and members of Congress who don't really know what's going on in in terms of deliberations, what's going on in the White House, and are just kind of projecting and criticizing because that's politics. So any White House is going to be unhappy and it's going to create a bunker mentality. I think that the president's, I think that this particular president's Worldview accentuates that and sees, uh, I, I, I think, sees the world arrayed uh, against him, and and the response is just radically different. Radically different because while while every other White House may have had a bunker mentality to one extent or another. They all accepted the legitimacy of the right. press to play its role mm-hmm. as a watchdog. Right. That's a huge yeah. difference here. This administration yeah. sees the press as an enemy. And right. as, I mean, as the president did say it. I mean, there's no denying the, the enemy, the press is the enemy of the people. Right. So the press's job is to, ma- is to stand guard on our democracy and to make sure that when there are things that need to be uncovered, that they uncover them. But this president, yeah. his job is to hide shit because yeah. he's a career criminal. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does, and that's what he continues to do. Oh my so God. why would he want there to be a free press in this country? Why would he want scrutiny? Oh, I'm the most transparent person ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so meanwhile, getting back to what we were talking about, the what, kind of general malaise and apathy, yeah. I mean, you, you, you have laid out this narrative of the last three-plus years that is a, a, a very... A dire picture of where of the direction the country has gone, and I don't know. People are too busy at the soccer at soccer practice people, or I think, the mall. Or I, look, we've also talked. Are about they beaten this, down, or are they just we, they don't? We've talked about this from the beginning too. This is what they want. They want an onslaught of information so that people will just be overwhelmed by it. So that after a certain point. When the information becomes so overwhelming that you just throw up your yeah. hands and say, "There's nothing I can do," so then you retrench into your daughter's soccer match and into whatever you're watching on TV and into yeah. whatever else is going on in yeah. your life, and you say, "Oh my God, it's so horrible over there." Wherever well, you know, I, I can't mean, even watch anymore. So I'm just right. Gonna, How many people have said, I, "I I get through this all by watching Netflix or, right, or you know, or drinking two bottles of wine a night <laughs> or whatever it is, whatever vice it is that you have." I'm, I'm I, I've been dry since that since that episode where you had two glasses of wine. Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, they did call me Nurse Cook in college. Because <laughs> I, I, like I nursed a beer the whole night and, like, and was hammered. I like that. Nurse Cook. I was, look, That's a good, it was it was less expensive, I have to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, you guys at Vassar were very creative with your nickname. <laughs> Nurse Cook. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. So I think I that know. people have sort of shrugged. But all you know, they've sort of given up. And that's exactly what they want. They want people to give up, and it's like, eh, I'm not even going to bother voting. And that's really what they want. Well, look, the at the moment, the Democratic field Doesn't, is so... It's not overly inspiring, I have to say. No, it's not. It's not very inspiring. It's not. I think Bernie has momentum. Burn-mentum. I mean, okay, Bernie has momentum. Klobuchar has momentum. Right. Biden has momentum in the wrong direction. <laughs> Seriously, he's going. Bloomberg. To- Bloomberg is in. Did I see a national poll today where Bloomberg was ahead of Biden? Second, maybe third. Could be. He was, he, was, he was ahead of Warren and Buttigieg, but the stuff that's coming out about Bloomberg is not pretty. Okay. And so, so you know, he's a misogynist. We know that. Right. right? He's and. Again, so, again, we're holding up. It's a circular up, firing it, squad. It is because we're holding up ourselves to this purity level that mm-hmm. the other side is also going to hold us to, but they refuse to hold their own candidate to. Right. So they're basically saying, "Oh, look at these hypocritical Democrats on this side. Like they're always right. complaining about the pussy grabber in chief on this side." So, right. so really, in comparison, yeah, he's not that bad. Right? right, like sure, he's grabbed some pussy. Well, in his I mean, day. you start he's you're starting to see you're starting to see some really gross things happen. So, like what? Pe- well, people are starting. You know, uh, the most recent Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, oh, well, honoree has been uh, talking about Mayor oh, Buttigieg's sexuality, gay. right? And saying, and that so, America's- and that's now starting to ricochet around the the right wing media ecosystem, and then it's going to he- infiltrate into into the mainstream media, which is is a gay man really electable? And then all of a sudden, right. you're going to have mo- quote unquote moderate Democrats who are saying to themselves, "Well, well there wait was a there was someone who wait a minute, they, they interviewed this- a woman in they interviewed a woman in Iowa who caucused for for Mayor Buttigieg, mm-hmm. and." She didn't know that he was. She didn't know that he was gay, and then she wanted to take back her her vote or whatever it is really? that you do in, in a car. Yeah. So she didn't find that, which is weird because I thought Iowa Democrats were you know there's not that many of them, but they're kind of lefty. Even so, you're caucusing for somebody, and you, I mean, what, I don't know. It look, was strange. Look, it should be irrelevant. It should be. Of right? course, it should be because if you like his policies, if he's straight, then you should like his policies. Like his if policies, if he's gay, like right. If he's green or if he's anything, if you like <laughs> his policies, then like his policies and say this is the guy. But that's not why for. people vote. But that's not why people vote. You're right. People vote so, based on they fall in love with someone. So it's someone again, they want to have a beer with. There's someone uh, who inspires them. It doesn't oh matter what their God, policies the, are. The I want to have a beer with them thing is so. I'm, but that's but that's why people vote. I know. Okay, so again, it starts out in the right-wing ecosphere, and then it seeps into the mainstream ecosphere. Wait, who do you want to have a beer with in this in this current crop of candidates? Any of them? Do you want to have a beer with Bernie? No, the only one who I'd want to have a beer with who's running right now. Yeah. First of all, it's, this is a stupid question. So it's a totally stupid question. Let's think about it. the only one who I'd really want to have a beer with is Joe Biden because he would probably be funny after a couple of beers. <laughs> He would start telling some stories. 
He's an older guy, so he's seen a lot of stuff. Right. He's probably got some good stories. I'm sure he has no filter. Exactly. He's the guy you want to have a beer with because he'd be funny as hell in, like, a really inappropriate way. (laughs) Right? Other than that, who would you want to have a beer with? I don't know. But we shouldn't. I would love to have, I'd love to have, like, the Passover Seder with Bernie. No, he'd be annoying at the Passover (laughs) I think just once, I think it would be hilarious. It would be funny. Yeah. Did we open the door for Elijah? We should open the door for no, he did everybody more, else so he, that they join the political revolution. That's a good it's a good impersonation, but I think he'd be a little bit more angry and impatient to have dinner. <laughs> what? We have to do this part too? It's time to eat. It's time to eat. All right, enough with so the, enough know, with the brachot. There's is a big debate going on uh, among uh, between two of my high school friends whether Bernie's an anti-Semite or not. Oh my god. And oh one is absolutely convinced that he is, and the other one is saying it's really guilt by association. Because what I've said is, I don't believe that Bernie's an anti-Semite, but that there are anti-Semites who like Bernie. Um, Which is not the same as saying I don't think Trump is a racist. I don't think Trump is a racist, but there are racists who like Trump because I do think Trump is a racist. But that, that's the argument that people make about Trump. Oh, right. he can't control who likes him. Right. He can't control what his supporters say. Right. Like, you can't control the fact right. that but he can't. He, but people can denounce their supporters. And you know what? Bernie doesn't do that in a very forceful he, way either. No. He does he not really do doesn't. that in a forceful way. He does not. And that is something that I think is... Probably I don't think that that's an urban legend. And people are starting to say the, the Bernie brother... The Bernie bro abuse is an ur- urban legend as well. Uh, I'm not sure. There's enough peri- people who've said that they've experienced it right, abuse from to the say that they haven't. Had. I just I think the whole thing is a mess. I think it's completely exasperating. It is, um, but you know what? We're still now playing into this game by talking about you know oh is is Bernie anti-Semitic or is there you know right. is, are the Bernie Bros a problem? Well, but there's, I think there's I think that's a, I think there are legitimate questions that should be asked about anybody when. You know, Sanders did say he supported people like Jeremy Corbyn, who is, you know, I think an unreconstructed Stalinist and anti-Semite. Um, I think that's a legitimate Absolutely. thing for the press to ask about. Absolutely, Just, but my problem is that when Bernie, I don't think it's playing into a right-wing no, thing. I think Bernie that that's bullshit. That's the way people like supporters of Sanders like want to shut people down on Twitter. They say, "Oh, you're playing into a, but, a right-wing uh, framing." Okay, but but when Bernie starts to be painted with that same brush as being mm-hmm. called an unreconstructed Marxist, no, of course not. He's not and, right. But, but that's where it's going to go eventually. He's a, that's where Bernie's it's views, go. Bernie would like, I think Senator Sanders would like to see the United States have a social safety net along the same lines as that they have in, you know, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, you know, the Nordic countries, which are nice places to be. Would it be fair to say that he is an FDR Democrat? I would say that he's a Democratic Socialist. Well, that's what he calls himself. No, he calls himself a Socialist. No, he calls himself a Democratic Socialist. No. No, no. I, but he's he's like a northern Europe. I mean, I think, I mean, it's weird that he went on his honeymoon in the Soviet Union. That doesn't seem like a lot of fun. But I think where I think I think the kind of his his political vision, his worldview, tracks more closely to the kind of strong social safety nets that you find in those Nordic countries. I think his political point of view tracks very strongly to the milieu in which he was brought up, which is in New York City in the 1940s 
when right. many of the Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe were socialists. And they were not communists, some of them were, right. but the vast majority right. were socialists. And you know what they became when they, right. when they came here and entered into politics in the United States, or when they started... Uh, they were FDR Democrats. They were FDR Democrats, exactly. That's right. Exactly. So, but I think, I think, I think what, I think the thing that Senator Sanders doesn't do. I like how you've stopped calling him Bernie in mid podcast. Yeah, because I don't know him. And I don't like, it's like when people call the Israeli Prime Minister Bibi. I don't know Bibi. Uh, I'm glad I don't know Bibi. So, I think that, (laughs) I think that Senator Sanders, are we talking about the United States right now? I'm sorry. I think, I think Senator Sanders, in the way that he doesn't really take head on those criticisms yeah. about anti-Semitism or, or the alleged anti-Semitism of people around him, he doesn't forcefully enough talk about the fact that he's not going to uh, nationalize industries. He's not going to centrally plan the economy. What he's really interested in is a robust social safety right. net, which is really hard to argue with, right? I mean, it's going to be hard to pay for Medicare for all. Again, in, why in, do we talk about how hard it is to pay for all this when we never talk about how hard it is to pay for all of the new weapons systems? That no, we I, I think that that's right. I think that there are going to be choices that will need to be made and that the country needs to make them. And those are going to be really hard political battles. We've seen how hard those political battles are. They're impossible so under, under current circumstances, it's going to be very hard to pay right. for those things. I think in well, the broad scheme of things, we don't need a defense budget that is larger than the ten next 10 countries combined. Right, exactly. By, and, then, and then some, but, and then but by a significant that, factor. But if you are a politician who says that, then you will be criticized of being un-American and being against... The, the army and against don't the get me wrong and, yeah. don't get me wrong I think it's important that we have a, defense. a, a strong yeah. and robust defense and I think that the Chinese are pouring more and more resources into it and that the Chinese are a, a rising power and are uh, seeking to order the world in the way they prefer that the, the next se- the next century will be the, the current century and the one after it will be the Chinese century in the way in which the second half of the 20th century and thus far in the 21st century have been the American but again been American. Right, and but I don't want to live in that world okay, I don't want to live in that okay, world okay but to be clear that is what all powers do to, of course but you I don't want to live in that world and thus I okay. am a strong supporter but I do think that we have to have some proportion here given the underinvestment in our social safety net, the underinvestment in education, the underinvestment in infrastructure, that some proportion needs to be, there needs to be some balance here in what we're doing. Because after all, if we're not strong at home, it's going to be very, very hard to defend the, the, our interests abroad. So we can't, I, I think we can't the, even define our interests abroad anymore. Well, in the Middle East, that's certainly the case. But so, I, I, you know, I, I think that the Democrats... There, it's been completely. It's been just a total, unbelievable muddle. Uh, yeah, but you know what? In 2016, on the Republican side, it was a muddle also, and it was a mess because it was. We have to stop this guy. Okay, now we can't stop this guy, and now let's embrace this guy. But it was a mess, and it's still a mess. Look, right. it doesn't bother me so much 
that there are a lot of Democratic candidates in, in the field right now. And it doesn't bother me that we right. need to sort of let things shake out, shake things out and see who's going to wind up on top. That's the, that's natural in a primary season. Yeah, yeah. What bothers me from what I'm seeing is I'm not feeling anybody. Right. That bothers me. It doesn't yeah. bother me that they're like going after each other. Like, right. okay, of course they're going after each other. They, everybody wants a nomination. That's what's going right. to. That's how it's going to be. But it bothers me. Well, also, what bothers me is that I don't believe. And this is what bothers me about the Bernie Bros. Whether it's an urban myth or not, I'm not convinced that if he's not the nominee, that they're still going to vote. Well, I, that's I, I, and I feel and, like and, they're holding us hostage a little bit. Right. Uh, he has. I did hear him say a, a statement that he will support whoever the eventual well, nominee. Okay, is. that's great for him. But right. He's, well, but so he's, the question is: is that vote. is that going to be enough for? Is that going to be enough for his supporters? So, look, what happens if? Okay. Yeah. If I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a supporter of Senator Sanders and it goes to a brokered convention and Bloomberg ends up with the, yeah. the nomination. I can actually understand those people being pissed because, you know, look, right now the media w- refuses to call him the front runner. And the last time I checked, yeah. yeah. And last time I checked, he did have the most delegates, which would make him the front runner. However thin the, his right. margin We're is in the delegate count, he's still the one who. Right. So if it's really close and it's a brokered convention and it ends up in the hands of, 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 uh, of Bloomberg, Bloomberg which is you can understand possible. how people. But. If he if if for some reason Senator Sanders collapses and and Bloomberg collects uh, enough delegates and super delegates to get the nomination, yeah. The question is, will those people vote for Bloomberg? And I don't know whether that I don't I think the I answer to that is probably not. But I think that what you're you're what you're hypothesizing is entirely plausible. Either one of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. But right. there are other scenarios that are out there that neither one of those two end up as the as the candidate. And my question is not, well, depending on the circumstances, will you support mm. the candidate? You should be saying, right. I'm supporting a Democratic candidate just no matter what the circumstances right. are. Because right. if you right. Right. can't see that there is a difference between the two parties now then there's no hope for you. And if you're only yeah. saying that it's got to be my guy, Bernie, or I'm not in, then you are the problem. I think I said this last week. You yeah. are the problem. Right. If, this is, well, if you're a spoiled, I mean, seriously, you talk about entitled, you talk right. about spoiled. If I don't get my way, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Well, guess what? When you take your ball and you go home, you leave the rest of us out here right. and get beaten up right. by the bully. Look, here's the thing. The other thing that I think people should recognize is that whatever the president's poll numbers, and they're, they're actually up since the impeachment acquittal, um, he is, and let's say they, go, they drop back down to the low 40s right. where they've been since his, since his inauguration, he is a formidable politician, and he, he, he does not care. He doesn't so, care. He doesn't care. So he, it's, it is, he's formidable, he's vicious, and he has a ton of money. Plus, his, the electoral map is in his favor. And the electoral map favors him. Yeah. Favors That's him. That's problem. exactly right. That's the That's problem. exactly right. And look, the economy is doing well. Again, and when you say the economy people, is doing well, the stock market is doing well. Well, right. But you know what? It, it, look, as we know, 
most of politics is perception. Yep. So if who's ever successful in framing the narrative that is true is going to be the one that who is, is going true. to win this. So the stock market is obviously doesn't represent the thing, but if you can establish that as a framework for your measure of the economy, yep. and the president has done that, and by you know it, well, that's anybody who said media, well you know that's actually not a real measure. Loses the argument. But the media is not asking the right questions. Right. So it's not fr- they're allowing him to frame that I'm, as a win for himself, even right. though when he talks about job creation, there were more jobs created in Obama's last three years than there were in the first three years of Trump. So if right. we're saying, like, oh, Trump created so many jobs, well, Still? he inherited a good economy. More jobs were created right. before. He hasn't tanked it. So, again, we're setting the bar really low here. And he's always, I understand, but by this time, he's great on a curve, though. Keep in mind, yeah. keep in mind that if, the, if we were in recession, we'd be saying, well, he, was, he had a good economy and now he owns it. So, it is his economy. Okay. It is his economy. Okay, but he's, so still, not growing, I think that, he's still not growing the economy as much as it grew I think, before him. Just, you know, getting back to it, I think that that kind of malaise and apathy is a function of the fact that. There is an election that's coming up, and people say, "Well, maybe this will be the check." And but I think he's, I think he is that good a politician. Uh, I think look, he's a that, master. That field I, of Republicans that he beat in the 2016 cycle yeah. were a group of quite accomplished politicians who had won but, lots of things that had they were all, real advantages. But they were all political midgets. They were. Well. I, I don't know. I mean, look, Jeb Bush was the reelected governor, uh, governor of with no, Florida with zero personality, and still, Florida is an important state. I, I don't disagree with you, but he was not an inspiring candidate. There were well, no, this is what I'm saying: is that the president is a charismatic he is, figure. He is well versed in the darkest of dark arts of politics. <laughs> There's no question. But I'm just saying is that there's uh, my point is is that they're the the Democrats are up against a lot. You're right. And that and right now and right now it seems to me that they are squandering uh, an opportunity precious time yeah. and resources yeah. in order to, to to that it will be necessary to carry on uh, the fight in the fall. But again, until there's a consensus about who the candidate is, like this is the way the system works. Yeah. And we it's have just, to sort of let it play out. And then, no matter who it is, right. get behind them with everything we have to make sure right. that this guy serves one term only. I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Iowa really made an impression upon me because it was just, it was a total fun. clown show. Yeah. I mean, they still don't really know who won. That's, a problem. It's a yeah. It's a show. That is a problem. I, I, I don't see how Democrats can say we are the competent party that can you know run the country and make I think that important I mean, changes. I don't think you can extrapolate too much out of Iowa. I, I don't think though. you can, but I, I think it was I think it was a real self inflicted wound on the part. Well, of, uh, hey, of guess it was what? Exasperating. Guess what? Democrats are 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 experts at self inflicted wounds. <laughs> we should start our own party. What would it be called? I don't know. We'll think about it. Nah. All right, next week we'll come up with it. All right, next week we'll think about it. All right. All right. That's it. Until next week. If there is a We're out of here. Have a good one. Is there a next week? Yeah, the next week. There should be. It's scheduled. I see it on the calendar. Inshallah. Inshallah. All right. See ya. Bye.